0: welcome i'm so excited to have you michelle how are you today i'm doing great Tani. thank you so much i'm we've kind of corresponded on facebook and it is so different to get to see you in person hear your voice you know feel your energy it's awesome thank you
1: okay i want to just dive into this because this is one of my questions so speaking of energy here so you put on your guest form that at one point you were a chat psychic <laughs> <laughs> an online chat psychic yes Okay. So tell me, so, you know, we haven't fully introduced who you are, doctor of the law, right? So I'm <laughs> with, and then we have this other side that's psychic. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Well, it was in a way a desperate times, desperate measure move. You know, I was not able to get a job for whatever reason beyond uh, my understanding and uh, wanted to create some income for myself. And at that time on the TV, a uh, California psychics commercial came on. I thought, hmm, coaching, you know, because I'm, I'm a leadership and transformation coach and I've, you know, helped people with their emotions and relationships. I thought, you know, coaching, psychic, you know, it, it all involves this intuitive guidance we get from a source. I'll try it. So I ended up being hired by a site that did pretty much exclusively online chat. So it wasn't on the phone, right? It was through typing. But um, that really didn't seem to, to change the flow of the connection or the communication at all. And I think I did it for around two and a half years. Wow. And 99.9% of the questions were around, when will I meet him? Mm. Well, He called very much, almost desperately wanting to be in connection with this kind of soulmate, I'm going to call it fairy tale, you know, that we've been fed all our lives. Yeah. And so it involved a lot of kind of, well, you know, um, the fact that he's in a prison Mm -hmm. and is asking you for money isn't really in your best interest. Right. And, you know, this kind of coaching that really, I don't know if you would call like you know, psychic or right. intuitive or what, but it was fun. It was definitely something new, definitely something I never in a million years thought I would ever do. And that's the psychic chat experience for me. Yeah.
1: And so do you like feel for yourself that you are in a way, a healer that you can connect to a higher power to channel for people? I'm going to say yes. Yes, to
0: that, because I believe that we all are. Absolutely. And I believe it's just, a, it, it, it isn't a matter of who has, you know, the most favor by a God who only bestows healing ability or happy ability on certain people. It's something that we're always increasing our opening to receive from uh, where this source is and the infinite love that it comes from.
1: Mm, I love that. And so now, if we're kind of segueing this into your law practice, the, the law consulting, Which is so interesting. So before we fully go into that, how was that transition? Cause that's going from like, were you already studying law? Who were you at that time while you were doing like the psychic reading?
0: Yeah. uh, At the time I was doing the psychic reading, actually the timeline is first, I got my law degree. Got it. Okay. And after seven times of trying to pass the California bar, I came to accept this may not really be what I want to do is, you know, be like a litigation attorney or that sort Sort of a thing, so how do I want to use my law degree? And for a few years, I worked as actually a paralegal, and I did the inside work of an attorney while the attorney went to court. Right. And then uh, during the course of you know having a life, I married and moved to Hawaii. Oh wow! And um, while I was there, it was like, well, now what am I going to do with myself? And my niece uh, was just beginning to do law school and had a job working for Kaplan Test Prep, who does all of these different kinds of standardized test prep courses, including the uh, LSAT, which is the test you take for pre-law before you enter a law school got it. And um, she was an admissions consultant. And I thought, wow, if she can do this, I have a law degree, I have this experience. I'm, you know, I'm a published writer. Why why couldn't I help with these things? Mm-hmm. And so um, I posed that question to Kaplan Test Prep and they hired me. Wow. And so I did it for 15 years with Kaplan Test Prep. And I was a law school and a graduate school admissions consultant. And, you know, there came a point where I thought, mm, I'm kind of ready to, to not do this And the clients that I was assigned tend to be ones that uh, maybe other consultants maybe didn't want to work with, or they weren't the ones who were guaranteed to get into a a school. They were older. Mm -hmm. They had low test score, low GPA numbers. You know, maybe English was not their first language. There were various uh, sundry types of little glitches that made them not a sure thing. And yet I would work with them and we'd have results that were, uh, (laughs) you know, at least to me, rather surprising. And so I learned, you know, You know, don't try and predict what's going to happen with this, even if you're an online chat psychic, which actually came later. But uh, I got so that I just was willing to to get into the the individuality of each each client that I work with, present that in their essay and their resume. And a a lot of times we would write an addendum Mm. and they were getting into schools that their numbers said they should not have Mm. some top tier schools. And I didn't want them to fall through the cracks. So I self published a book on how to write your law school essays and then how to write your graduate school essays. And then I kind of on my own did some videos. Well, to my great surprise, they were discovered. (laughs) And people started approaching me to work with them individually. So I've been doing it, you know,
1: as my own individual business for around five years. And so this is kind of interesting because, you know, I, I always love a, a good underdog story here, right? So yes. on one hand, I can hear you had this beautiful opening in your career because you were willing to take the underdogs. But I'm really curious, what do you think what it is about you that had them be able to get into these schools?
0: Well, I think my underdog, <laughs> you know, really was just saying, oh, here's here's another person to add to my tribe, mm. you know. Um, I I could totally identify, but I came to realize fairly early on in doing admissions consulting that the real reason that I was doing it, and it was a part-time job, it's very seasonal depending on when, you know, the application season is. So it, it wasn't a great, you know, financial incentive that was going on, but where my heart was is I wanted to hear who had almost a calling to ministry. Um, That was why they wanted to go into law school, then become an attorney and then do this work. Gosh, I have goosebumps as I'm saying this. Wanted to do this work in the world that would make the world a better place. Yeah. And working with those people was just so invigorating for me. And I felt like, and that was before (laughs) now, it's just every year it increases more. We need you in the world. Mm. You know, we need you doing protecting the environment, environment through environmental law. We need you advocating for human rights and immigrants through immigration law. We need you being social justice attorneys and standing up for people of all sorts of colors or disabilities or genders or whatever we are. I'm helping people go to better law schools than I went to and people who are for the most part probably going to pass the bar and go on and have a, a career as an attorney, which I didn't have. Right. So I feel in a way like I'm helping them do what I didn't do but in a way I'm I'm also helping them go beyond what I ever could have done if I had done that
1: yeah you absolutely. know, because
0: they're going out in so many different directions doing so many different things
1: I love hearing this story because I feel like I learn a lot when I interview one of the things that I'm kind of hearing and, and kind of starting to learn from you also is there feels like such a permission that you gave yourself to follow whatever the direction was without the knowing right because for me just someone that's not in this industry that's it seems like it would probably be a lot of time and dedication to become a lawyer, to get everything settled. And then you're like, this isn't really for me, right? And then you just still kind of took all these different pieces that you've had in your lifetime and have created this career or this business that's actually really making a difference that you didn't even see possible before. So, oh my gosh.
0: Well, thank you for that insight, Tani. I have this phrase that I live by and and you're giving me an opportunity to say it and it's follow your life, listen to your life. I was raised in a family where we didn't follow a particular religion and I'm very grateful for that because it allowed me to bring in all sorts of information as my path to God. Yeah. And um, I feel like our life, our life experience, our choices are in a way our strongest connection to God wow. because that's how we're letting the divine kind of come in and influence um, our day to day and this experience we're having in time and space. That's what our GPS, so to speak, is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I love how you phrase that, like, you know, I always live in the kind of mantra where it's like, follow the heart. And there's something about how you're saying it that is having me almost discover that new leak. i think sometimes we put so much pressure on our choices but it's almost like how you're saying it like doesn't really matter so much what the choices are because it's all in our life anyways right is that like it's all
0: it's all our journey and our journey is about learning and it's not going to stop until we stop breathing my belief is that even when we uh are no longer visible in time and space we're still learning things in a whole different dimension and way so right. i think learning is a big piece of what our existence as beings is all about right absolutely and, and our life is one of the great reflections of what we're learning and maybe something we want to learn differently or don't learn or something like that i don't know you know
1: Right. And so it's interesting because you sound very spiritual to me, aside from like, if I didn't know you were a psychic reading, but (laughs) very a spiritual connection. So do you feel that that has given you an upper hand in creating your life at all?
0: I don't like the term upper hand because it it has a kind of a competitive sort of an edge to it. And I'm not sure that we aren't all in our own way, very spiritual, including someone who even has an addiction. Mm. And maybe in a way, that's how they connect in some way spiritually to something. But for me, My my faith, my spirituality, my beliefs around God, my relationship with God, my commitment to deepening that connection with God that's number one for me, and that's been continuing to talk about having a path that we're following. That's like this light at the end of my path that I'm always being drawn toward, or you know, in some instances pushed toward, or you know, in other instances stumbling toward. And
1: that's kind of making me think of like this question of kind of going with the flow and the calling and and being connected to your higher power. You know, I feel like in the business industry, in society, really, maybe it's kind of dimming down, but there's definitely this stigma about people needing to get a nine to five and stability and security, and they need to find one thing and stick to it for them to be successful. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I really
0: see that changing because from my generation, that was pretty much the only option you had. You know, you find your box and you stay in it and you stay in it forever and ever. Amen. I think that technology has really opened up the world to all of us and when you open up the world you open up a whole bunch of options especially now with the pandemic having taken away the ability for so many of us to do our job or our business you know just like that we all of a sudden are no longer allowed to support ourselves you know we had to think really fast and we had to figure out what to do and the um, internet has just been such a a wide array of options for that, that you start a business here, you start another business here, you do what you do. And in the meantime, you're kind of uh, revealing all sorts of different facets about yourself for other people to see and you to learn from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Still- so uh,
0: to me, I, I I see it as, as uh, kind of almost the new way of life is people are doing lots of different things to, in a way, not only create income, but to express their true selves, really.
1: So, you know, me being 27, from how you're saying about, how you kind of grew up in a, a time where that was, a nine to five was your only option. And now you're also experiencing people being able to have a lot of options. Do you feel on one hand that it could cause maybe like a different kind of impact? Like on one hand, it's really awesome that now we have more freedom to choose and to explore all these different areas of life. But do you think on one hand that might leave people like overwhelmed that they have so many options?
0: I think there's a, an opportunity to discover about yourself there because there are people who the the box so to speak the one job that fits them perfectly and to say uh to work you know speaking of a box to work for a big box like say Home Depot and start out as someone who's you know putting the carts away but then have the opportunity to through the Home Depot path become a manager become a leader that is a beautiful wonderful very happy life journey for them for someone like me who's an Aquarius (laughs) you know who's very broad who's got a whole bunch of interests. curiosity, and maybe a little bit of, you know, butterfly flittiness to her, that just would never have happened. And if if even a career in law couldn't completely capture me, you know, that says that I'm a person who some way or another would have just kept doing different things, whether I call them career or hobbies or part-time jobs or whatever, um, that would have been me. So, and I don't think there's one over the other that's better, really, ultimately, you know, because we're all learning about ourselves, and that's what we're here in time and space to do and the more we learn about ourselves the deeper our connection to whatever beyond time and space we believe in
1: well it makes me think of how i love how you're pointing out that it's okay whatever you pick because you know i frequently see in this business especially with like when it's spiritual business mixed together it's really about like people, they should start their own business and be in their alignment and be in their truth. But it almost negates the people that are like, I just want to work for somebody, or I just want this simplicity for myself. So I love that you brought that up. No matter what people choose, it all works as long as it's good for them.
0: Yeah. And bottom line is, and, and, and this is a, a perspective that comes from being older is, you know, who I am now and who I was in my twenties and my thirties, you know, and onward in a way, totally. different person. Mm. And in a way, I'm just a bigger expression of that. So to think that who and what you are now is going to completely and totally encase you, define you, constrict you until you're no longer breathing is, it's just not true. And that's one of the things that I really like about law. A question that I get asked a lot is, you know, do I have to have a pre-law degree? Do I have to have you know what law courses should I take? And the thing about law is that you don't really have to have come from a legal background. You know, they'll look at that if you did, and they'll see, okay, they've already got this. But what they're they're also looking what an admissions committee is also looking for is this this passion what you're going to be doing afterwards, and um, an openness to learn. And if they see someone who's maybe been already, you know, I'm I'm already a paralegal or an intern, or, you know, I'm already doing the work of an attorney, so I dare you to teach me anything new, they don't like that kind of an attitude. But someone who's coming maybe from a psychology background, or even from, you know, a liberal arts background, and, and it has this new perspective to bring into the field of law and carry forward as a unique voice, that's something that's really exciting that you can Use a law degree to really help uh, better yourself. One of one of my reasons for going into law school, <laughs> and it's not a very you know lofty one, is that um, when I was younger, my my appearance was more you know kind of soft and cute, mm-hmm. and I had been you know kind of out dating and doing you know some things like that, and I had the feeling that you know I wasn't being taken seriously, partially mm-hmm. because of my appearance. And so I went to law school to prove to people that I was smart, you know. but in a way it does add a certain amount of weight right. to you know who and what you present yourself as to say well i'm a law school graduate well i'm a jurist doctorate well i have you know because it shows that especially for those of us that have a, a really strong spiritual side or spiritual calling to us that we're in both worlds right you know we know what it is like to have intelligence we know what it is like to follow laws to have laws that maybe we bump up against and want to change and we have this other side to us so yeah. in a way it's, it, it can present some great balance to the image that you present to have Mm. a law degree, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and it makes me want to ask the question, you know, because I, as I do like my own spiritual healing and getting really like the soul versus the ego, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you shared why you started law school, which is such a fabulous story when I really think about it. (laughs) And, but it's also like, how do you distinguish like in those moments? Is that like your ego that wanted that validation and like that stamp of approval from people? Or, or do you feel like now that you're looking back, it was all always meant for you to have it be this way well one of my my
0: personal buttons i guess is i i'm very much against the war against the ego Mm. that we we set up in ourselves there is no reason for us to be fighting with any part of ourselves Mm. so if there's a part of us that thinks i really need to be this that the other and look this way to that i don't care if it comes from your ego i don't care if it comes from your serial killer side i don't care if it you know comes from who you think is the saint part of you when you look at all of you you know there really isn't all that much difference the lines start to blur between them all anyway and there's lessons you know there's lessons from every choice and that's ultimately the reason that we're here and that's ultimately the reason for the journey so my big belief is to stop fighting with yourself mm. you know accept yourself the definition of love that i use that it, it just really literally changed my life it comes from gay hendricks one of my mentors and it's uh the definition of love is to be willing to be in the same space as Mm-hmm. so if you're willing to be just simply be in the mm-hmm. same space as this part of you that's telling you you're wrong for doing this well when it gets that attention you may find out that it goes quiet and actually turns into a rather supportive cheerleader for what you know it was at first arguing against yeah and it's usually a very young voice yeah you know that started in childhood and didn't know any better and this is how i thought it had to survive was to protect you in this way but you know love all these parts of you the messy parts oh my god i look like crap today. Today. Well, gosh, crappy me. I hope I stink mm-hmm. as bad as I look. You know what I mean? Right. Just accept, just accept, just be willing to be in the same space as, because until we can be in the same space as all of these messy parts of us, no matter what type of words we think we're saying or what type of activism we think we're doing, we are not really being with being in the same space as holding in our hearts others. You know, so yeah, like, I don't like the more with the ego.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing this to the conversation because, you know, as someone that's in coaching, like I'm constantly talking about healing your, your limiting beliefs, but it's interesting what you're saying, because I have it like the ego is a problem. The ego is what keeps business owners and people in situations that don't fulfill them because it's the ego. So it's such an amazing perspective to hear where not that I haven't heard that before, but maybe just haven't been open to it before where there's, I can see now how if we really did, you know, when those limiting beliefs come up or the ego is fight or flight mode, if there was love and compassion for that part of ourselves, how much of a difference that would make.
0: Yeah. And the thing I love about that definition of love is it doesn't mean you have to like it, (laughs) right? It doesn't mean you even have to understand it, but what it's really calling you to do is to be in the same space as it, which is to mean, give it your loving attention. So, you know, for example, one of the things we tend to associate with ego is this, this idea of conceit. Mm. So I'm really good at being a lawyer, say, you know, say, first of all, you think it about yourself. And especially even now, if you're a woman, I'm really great at being a lawyer. I'm the best lawyer there ever is. I should have more clients than anyone. We'll label that. Oh, that's a person who's egocentric or we'll label that voice. Oh, that's my ego talking. I shouldn't be listening to my ego. I need to be more humble. Mm. I need to be a good girl. I need to be more spiritual. You know, spirituality does not call us to be less than we are. And if we feel like we're in a situation where we have to be more than we're comfortable being, you know, really, it isn't a voice of ego. What it is, is a feeling of scared. Mm. I'm scared to step into this big new version of myself. So I must be getting in the child's voice too big for my britches. Right. And so I'm going to pull myself back now by beating up on the voice, calling it ego. Right. Ego is wrong. And getting into this whole big fight, which really revolves around, oh, I feel scared. I need to take a breath into my belly.
1: Hmm. And so for you being someone that's so insightful and wise, right? And I'm almost Thank like, you. You're very welcome. And and what I had written down was like, you're kind of like the coach for the future law students. Does that resonate for you?
0: I feel like I'm the coach for the future leaders of our world because I think they're going to come from all different paths. Right. And the number one thing and oh, I'm getting chills again. So this means it's like really true, at least for me, the number one thing that's going to make the true leaders of the new way of living is going to be their commitment to what is true. Mm. And that's going to really ultimately mean what's true for them. Now, it could be something as simple as I love to garden. I know when I have my hands in the earth, you know, and I'm not saying this is for me. I'm saying that this is who one of the leaders is going to be. I I love it when I put my hands in the earth, you know, when we've destroyed the planet, someone like this, who comes from a simple little, I have a balcony garden and like putting my hands in earth still is going to teach us what we need to know to be able to survive on the food that we're going to have to grow ourselves. Yeah. So anyone who has a passion, that's a truth for them that when they say, well, you know, I work in the earth and when I have my hands in the earth, I'm feeling like I'm touching the root of God. You know, Mm -hmm. when they feel like this is something that connects them to the all it is, even if it's something that we consider to be as simple as gardening, we're going to start gravitating to that person and then listening to them and listening to the solidness of them right. and starting to learn from that rather than you know, the, the political or the agenda-driven or the you know, label-calling voices. Right. And that's who I want to help put out into the world. That's who I want to help give voice. And one of the things that I do along with the law school admissions consulting is public speaking consulting to help us shy people, hmm. us introverted people, express our voice because that's very scary for us. But uh, more and more, we're needing to hear these very unique voices because that's who the true leaders are and are going to be seen as in the future. Absolutely. And the future, I think, is going to be coming up. You know, I don't think it's all that far away. Right. Because things are in such a state of change right now that there's great opening for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so for you, like when you take on a client for law missions, So what does that really entail? Like, is it you're going to help them all with their essays and getting into the right schools and speaking and coaching? What does that all look like?
0: Yeah, thanks, Tani. That's a great question. And, and it gives me a great opportunity to speak to what I do. There's so many schools out there. That what I encourage my clients to do is, you know, as you were saying earlier, more or less follow their heart and give themselves options. So I I advise them to first of all select schools that, based on their LSAT score, based on their GPA, seems like a reach. Mm. You know, maybe it's a top tier school but their heart wants to go to USC, for example. Pick a few of those because either writing an addendum or how we write the personal statement, we can kind of get around the numbers to some great extent. Second is to choose some schools in the the area where based on the numbers, it looks like a pretty possible thing that could happen. And then the other uh, option to give yourself is to, based on your numbers, you should be the rock star because your numbers are actually above these schools. They're, you know, maybe not the name brand schools, but they're schools that based on the numbers, you should have a fairly sure shot at getting into. And what I've had happen is clients have gotten into top tier school, you have gotten into all three options, but the incentives in terms of financial rewards, Mm. uh, along with the smaller class size actually ended up being more attractive in the, you know, what seemed like only as a last resort, when I go to the school, that was the school they ended up attending. Right. So give yourself all sorts of options in terms of, of choosing the school. And that uh, is something that the student can more or less do from their heart. I help them with regard to who would make a good recommender. What would be a good thing for the recommender to say most important with regard to letters of recommendation is to not write it yourself,
1: Hmm. because
0: the admissions committee looks for this and there are writing samples in the LSAT that you do that they compare it to they can tell in your essay so I mean you know they it's something that can be identified and then your credibility is totally shot so don't do that. then from there uh, we structure the uh, resume Mm. the law school uh, admissions resume is different than an employment resume because you're not applying for a job so the first thing they aren't really interested in is your employment background it's your academic background that should always be the first section and then there's a certain way of ordering bullet points and having sections for if you have done something that's law related or you know something that shows leadership qualities those Mm. would be things you'd want to be sure and draw out then we work on the personal statement and the personal statement is the most important part of the law school application and the reason for this is because it's the only place in the application where you have control over what is said about you even in a letter of recommendation if a professor says they're going to write something you know really positive and flowery I've had instances where they actually did not right and I don't know if it's because they got confused or what or it turns out to be a little bit more generic than it is really positive you know, positive and supporting. So I, I have a, a, an actual format that I advise my clients to follow. When we work on it together, we follow that. Again, we're, we're more or less still encouraged to be very humble. Right. And the personal statement is not the place to be that. Right. The personal statement is not that you want to brag about yourself all over the place, but you do want to show your strengths. Right. And it's really important to do it uh, differently than you may have done, say, as a bullet point in your resume. I helped my attorney work on this case and interviewed clients. What you want to do then in the personal statement is take out when I was interviewing this this particular client, this insight came out that I then uh, added to the pleading that ended up helping us get this result. Right. So that would be where you would draw out that story from a bullet point on a resume, but not just say the same bullet point, you do that in the essay. And then, provided the school in their, uh, you know, requirements on the uh, application allow it. If your numbers have been low, we would write an addendum, and there's a you know certain structure to the addendum. And I've seen all sorts of top tier schools be really open to addendums. I know that was the only thing that changed their mind about this student because otherwise, even with the personal statement, they had to have read it because Anyone the numbers alone addendum? didn't
1: look good. And then fill me in here. What's an addendum? <laughs> an addendum is just
0: you know something in addition to the personal God. statement or the, you know, the other things that you've, that you provided, you know, the resume, the letters of recommendation, the transcript. Uh, and, and basically what it says is, you know, I want to point out to you, I want to take this opportunity, you know, make it polite. Um, you know, I want to, you, you know, thank you for this opportunity to point out to you that my LSAT score, for example, is not the best reflection of my ability to perform in your program. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there may be different reasons for that. Standardized testing may never have been a strong suit or that's just not, you know, something I'm good at or you know whatever, whatever version might come up you know there have been instances where people had a death in the family or something that you know some you know i'm sure there's all sorts of pandemic related my life turned totally upside down on that day right but then from there what you add is you know if you take a look at my professional experience if you take a look at you know this particular thing that i did if you take a look at whatever you want to draw their attention to that really shows your ability to be an excellent addition to their law program. Then you draw their attention there, and then you end it really short and sweet with, you know, thanks for giving me a chance. I really want to go there, sort of a thing.
1: And so, how? Because I want to dive into Dr. Michelle here. So, where <laughs> does that come from? <laughs> Tell well, me. Well, uh,
0: yeah. So, you know, when you graduate from law school, you get a juris doctorate, and you are a doctor. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So that's the way that goes. And, you know, for most of my time, I've been very, I wouldn't say embarrassed of it, but definitely not proud of it. Really? And um, so I never used it. I never really mentioned that I graduated from law school, even though that was one of the person you know, reasons that I did it was to have the bragging rights to say that right. I did it. I don't know. Somehow, yeah, I lacked the confidence to really own it.
1: Hmm. And so do you think it's because you never did anything with the degree that made you feel weird about calling yourself Dr. Michelle or what happened? Yeah, I I think it was
0: that. I think it was, I tended to minimize, oh, well, I, I didn't graduate from an ABA accredited school. So my degree doesn't really count. You know, I'm not an attorney, so I don't really count. It was a lot of that. And at the same time, and even in a way to this day, going to law school, was the hardest thing I ever did because I was working a full-time job as a legal secretary for a partner in a law firm. Mm -hmm. It was very demanding. And then at night I was going to law school. And because I was going to a smaller school, the classes were very small. And so unlike the law clerk friends that I was making at my job who were going to like UCLA or SC and were in these huge classes. So who knew when, if ever they would be called on, I for sure was going to be called on in each one of my classes, at least once, which meant I had to be somewhat prepared, which meant along with working, along with attending class, Mm -hmm. I had to really study and, and be prepared to be called on. Yeah. So it was very hard and it was very demanding on me. And if I had a, a vacation from school, it just meant I could sleep a little bit later before I went into work. If I took, you know, two weeks off from work, it meant it was finals time at school. Right. So there was never really a true vacation from anything either. So it was really a a hard thing that I did and that I did it and that I paid for it myself inside myself, way, way down was, you know, something I was proud about. Yeah. And then, you know, again, it's one of the reasons that, you know, I don't like the war with the ego. You know, it felt too egotistical to be really proud of myself
1: Mm.
0: and say, I've done and accomplished this thing and this is who I am. Um and so now at this date, you know, I'm owning it and I'm saying, you know, I've got the doctorate. It allows me to be of great help to law school applicants. And so Right. That's who I am. And uh, it's okay for you to address me as that.
1: Yeah. And so what was, was there like a moment where, you know, you've kind of spent all these years not associating yourself with that doctor, but was there a moment where you're like, wait a second, I'm going to embody that. How do you, yeah. How did you embody it? Cause the way I'm thinking about it is like for the people that are listening, Right there's so many people that have probably been in your position. It just might look a little bit different, right? Where they went to school or they had a job for a certain reason, but they kept that part of themselves hidden. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I want, I want to take ownership of that, but maybe they're not able to yet. So how did you do that?
0: I came to a point in my journey as Michelle, where I, I could see something was holding me back. Not just the owning the doctorate degree and title was just a a part of that. And I met at a networking meeting, a trauma coach, and it just hit me. Oh, shoot. That's what the block is. There's some sort of trauma there. and, And this person can help me. So what totally opened me up to owning who and the good parts of me, because gosh, I'm familiar with the bad ones, was working with a trauma coach mm. and just kind of removing the layers of muck that were by this point in my life, you know, pretty, <laughs> there were a lot of them and they were very heavy. Mm. Um, and, and then just stepping into, okay, this is who I am.
1: Yeah.
0: This is what I've accomplished. And then from there, being able to step into something even bigger, because that's, that's what I, I want for myself. I want myself to have a big rest of my life. I want myself to have a alive and engaged and making an impact and, you know, just helping to to put these living human angels out into the world that are really going to be helping us all to heal is as we go through the the changes that are going to be coming in our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that was a key for me was being at a point where I was ready to say, oh, there, I never thought of myself as having had trauma. and you know, but there came a point where I realized, oh, there's some something wounded here that really
1: mm. is
0: deep and needs to be. And needs help and I can't do it by myself.
1: And I'm interested if, you, if you're open to sharing when you went through that process with the trauma coach and, and looking at what this resistance was, what was it for you? Was it like something happened or was it a, a belief that you had?
0: For me, it was kind of a tangle of ways that me from my two or three-year-old perspective perceived the way that things were being said to me and what they meant. And what they meant about me, because in the chaos of, of my childhood, I decided that everything was my fault. Mm. You know, if mom's hair didn't come out right, or if dad had another drink at dinner, well, you know, that's my fault. You know, anything from anything, if sister did this and parents needed to be called to it, well, it was my job to be sure that that happened. You know, that's what I took on. Mm. And it isn't that they intended it, right. it isn't that they did anything wrong. You know, they're doing the best they can in the 50s, you know, 1950s, which for you is like, you know, another planet ago, (laughs) but in the 1950s, they were doing the best they could, you know, with this, you know, new being that was brought into their responsibility. Mm -hmm. So they're doing their thing to their very utmost best. And I'm interpreting it in all of these ways that just created this perpetual, not good enough, this perpetual, uh, I'm responsible for (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. Well, and I, and I I appreciate the the willingness to share because I I think this is the this is the stuff that needs to be talked about a little bit more, right? With with an openness because there's so many people trying to create their lives in alignment. And I think when people start telling the truth of their experience and where they've found their self in their own limitations, people hear it in a way that it's like, oh, wow, okay, she got it for herself and look at that transformation and maybe it's possible for me. So thank you for showing up and thank you for sharing this. This was amazing.
0: Well, thank you for being a safe space to do it.
1: Absolutely. So for all of our listeners, how can they stay connected with you? How could they find you?
0: I would say, especially if going to law school is, you know, for sure, part of your path, check out my website, lawadmissionsconsultant.com. And I've got videos there that are actual step-by-step tutorials that give the exact same guidance that I give my clients, only they're considerably less expensive. And what I'm finding is that because of so many different hats, especially that moms are wearing as you know thanks to homeschooling and the pandemic the time to work with a consultant is real tricky for those and it isn't necessarily a female you know whoever is doing you know the the home care of the children now is, is carrying on so many more responsibility so the videos are a great resource and they they are at that website um, the other thing is that my books uh, you know that I'm kept updated but they also have not only the step by step guidance that I give my clients but they have uh, here's an example of actual resumes. Here's an example of actual personal statements. Here's an example of actual addendums from uh, clients who were who accepted to multiple law schools. So you get those there and they're available at barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. And one is called Personalizing Your Law School Essays Personalizing your graduate school essays. So, um, I would say that uh, the website lawadmissionsconsultant.com is the best place to find all of my resources and my email and how to get a hold of me and otherwise check out my
1: books. Awesome. And just curious so, do you do any kind of um, consulting for people in general that just want to go to any kind of college, or do you do any personal or business coaching at all? I do graduate school consulting.
0: And so that's uh, where you would have completed your undergrad, but, uh, and, and more likely in the the social science programs, someone who wants to be a social worker, someone who wants to be a psychologist, I've worked with people going into, you know, kind of more niche things like become a librarian, become a veterinarian, that sort of a thing. And then I work with people on stepping into owning themselves as a leader. Mm. And that's where a big part of my heart is is uh, helping people create a new relationship with fear. And then based on that relationship, start expressing their truth. What is their truth? What do they need to be putting their voice to that we need to be hearing? Because yeah. we do need to hear it.
1: Awesome. And they can find all that information on your website, right? That portion is not on that website. But if, was, if someone
0: was to email me from there and have that conversation with me, I'd be absolutely delighted. So that's not a restriction.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. It was such a pleasure to have you on the interview. And I cannot wait to keep connecting with you. I feel very excited about that possibility as well, Tani. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so
0: much. You're very welcome. Have a good day. You too. Thank you.